Doug. Hey, Karen. Welcome to The Block. Well, happy to be here. Welcome, everyone. Happy end of July in the summer pandemic. Isn't it crazy how, like, in March, when all of this sort of started, it felt like March and April felt like the longest months. And now yeah. that we're into summer, like, yeah, I feel like, like it's it kind of... It just keeps going now. It's flying by. Like, yeah, I feel like it's kind of whizzing by. Whereas, like, March and April were just like, oh, my God. Longest yeah, months ever. because we were ever. trying to get used to this new way of living and staying alive. And now we're like, yeah, we know how to do it. We just don't. We just we just don't want to. So, yeah, happy um, happy last week of July in the pandemic. Yay. <laughs> so episode uh, season five, episode two over Dick's dead body, which really isn't dead. No, no, not at all. As has been spoiled. <laughs> yeah, because that, that was the spoiler alert, alert last week, right? We, we, fi- we figured that out last week. That was in last week's episode. Well, they told us in the beginning of last week's episode, and I'm going to continue saying in this episode that that was bad storyline plotting because so much of this really relies on not the audience needs to also wonder if Richard is alive. Right, because it was definitely, like, no surprise when Jane and Sid were surprised. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll Which get to. We'll get to. We'll get into. However, regardless of all the ridiculousness of that, I it still remains, I think, my favorite storyline so far. The Jane-Sid-Richard storyline? Is yes. your favorite? Of yes. the new, like, the current season five stories? Yes, yes, it is my favorite. Because we've got Sid, she is being like, like the perfect like Sid, person like character. You know, she's doing all the things that we love Sid to do. Like we love when Sid does these things. Um, and and she's and she's sort of like the 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 backbone of the of of her. You know, the relationship with her and her sister. She's like the smart one for once yeah. like she's the one that's like carrying this whole thing and if they're going to get away with this it's because of Sid and so anyway I've I it's it's my favorite I'm kind of like really over um Kimberly and Michael and and Kimberly's stupid you know Betsy and all her other people and I'm definitely over Amanda and Peter and um and at this point with like Allison's relationship issues that we've been dealing with for the past five seasons like i don't even care about her and jake being together well there you go guys there's your recap (laughs) next week bye (laughs) (laughs) and as much as i love lisa renna i don't remember exactly where the storyline is going and right now it's a total head scratcher because they haven't i feel like they haven't given us anything okay so you ready to dig in yes yes i am okay we can pick it apart bit by bit now. Where do you want to start so we can pick it apart? Well, I have no notes, so you you tell me. I guess we should save the Jane, Sid, uh, Richard stuff. Let's, I mean, let's just start, and it's where the episode starts. Let's just start talking about Peter and Amanda, because that will also tie us into Michael and Kimberly, and hopefully we can just sort of move past it. Oh, God, I'd love to move past it. So, okay, I have a, I have a question. 
Okay, I'm, are you asking me as Doug or asking as like inside Melrose knowledge? It's probably more Doug because this isn't really this is a little bit more rhetorical because like we know like why do they do this on Melrose Place because it's Melrose Place like that's kind of like the answer. That's a, yeah. Um. So the thing that's sort of like killing me is that Amanda and Peter are always having these like discussions in jail and there's no lawyer and so there's they're probably being recorded because this isn't a confidential she can't like the wife can't testify against the husband yet that doesn't mean that they can have a conversation and it be considered like and not and that it not be listened to like you know there's no confidentiality there um in a prison correct me if i'm wrong and like peter's in there like 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 confessing to murder while he's like in this and i'm like what is going on why are they doing this it kind of um, it i mean pulling me out of things when I, when they're doing this because I'm like how how is this how is this possible? Yeah, I mean, you really just have to check realism at the door. I'm not a hundred percent sure that they could or would record everything in a prison cell where it was essentially a conjugal visit. I think there are protections there, but I still wouldn't divulge any secrets within the walls of a prison where I was being kept. Right. Which is what Peter's doing to give Amanda his backstory, which is for us his new backstory again. Um, but it's like, you know, they got to have him tell us something somewhere. And he, it's not like they could just walk to a park because right. he's in jail. So that's what they do. Okay, so I have another question. And this might be like Doug, uh, this might be like Melrose Place expert Doug question. So, mm, okay. So, like, while they're having this, like, heart-to-heart in prison and he is confessing to murder, Amanda kind of goes down this, um, the jealousy path, right? Like, oh, you really loved, you know, that, like, you really loved your your wife, like, and he's kind of like, she was everything to me. And and Amanda's kind of like, you know, sort of pushing on that little, you know, pushing on that nerve because she wants to be the special one or whatever. I guess, like, what I couldn't figure out is, like, Peter, like, then tells her the story about why he killed his wife, if he killed his wife. Um, but she keep, but she keeps insisting he was exonerated, right? So I'm sort of going, I don't, I don't get, did he kill her? Was she, yeah, was he exonerated? My... Like, what is going on here? I don't understand the storyline. My, my thinking is... He is basically contradicting what his dead wife's diary said. So he says, regardless of the diary, he actually killed Beth, I think is her name, in an act of mercy killing because she was so sick. And what he did not know because he fled is that because they later found that diary, that he was exonerated, even though he had been like a wanted man. Right. But separately, yeah, Amanda is also asking Peter, like, did you love her? Was she the love of your life? Which is, like, stupid for multiple reasons. It's stupid for Amanda to ask that because she's not weak or jealous like that. Yeah, that's not the Amanda we know and love. And it's, like, not what you would ask right then and there. Like, you would be more practical and be like, let's just focus on getting you out. We'll worry about the fact that you fed me lies later. Also, like, if he was married to her for however many years, he would have been head of her heels in love with her. Like, who cares? Life has moved on. Right. 
Now, my other sort of issue with the storyline, too, is that, you know, Amanda runs into the cop, the detective that told her. Detective Wiley. Detective Wiley. And and she's like, you set me up to try and make me testify against my husband. He was exonerated and you knew it. And so I was like, oh, my God, they sent Amanda on like this chase to Michigan or wherever the hell she went. Kansas City. Kansas City. All for it to to be kind of a, be a completely a non-issue. Like, is this is this going to go away now? Like, this was just a way to introduce that this new backstory of Peter's, and so this yeah, whole thing about yes, his life it is, is going it, away. That, that's why that's why they do it. I'm pretty sure, and I do think it it does go away, and then we move on to this new storyline pretty soon. But it's also like this was just how we needed Amanda to learn more of. The backstory and get sort of a side of like compassion for Peter because I don't really have any for him. Yeah, I guess my compassion's run out. Yeah, which is also, and this is what you were saying at the top of the podcast about Peter, like the Peter and Amanda thing doesn't really work because I want Amanda to stand up for herself and I want this marriage that now seems tainted, even if it is legal, to like to end. Like, I'm not, I don't know what there is to fight for here. Amanda might as well annul this and move on. But she doesn't. She doesn't. Instead, she really does fight for it. Which we will see more of. Okay, so because I don't remember, I I'm, I'm, might be going off track a little bit, Lisa Rinna coming into the series, you know, uh, her storyline as she cut, like, like, as I'm watching, I'm like, well, I remember her and Rob Estes were married now, and I remember, like, bits and pieces, but I don't remember, like, her, exactly who she was. Is she his ex-wife? Is, is she the dead wife? She's not the dead wife. The dead wife is dead. Okay. She, But she is tied to Peter. Okay. I know you're not going to tell me. That's fine. I'm not when gonna, do we find out? Because I don't want to tell. Because I don't want to tell our listeners. Because if you don't remember anything, then it may be. just be worth it enough to re-find out as the time comes. Also, I do remember, and it may be uh, uh, missed memory, but I feel like they drag out the reveal like a really long time in the beginning of this season. Well, I mean, I guess they can get away with it if Peter's going to sit in jail, because otherwise he's going to show up to Melrose Place and he's going to be like, "Hey, I know you." Yeah, and maybe I'm wrong about this too, but I do think he's not in jail too much longer, which means I also think that we finally end this stupid Kimberly can't remember shit stuff soon. Oh, God. I, I, I cannot be soon enough. Because they um, have a non-storyline to play. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, at this point, we I feel like we're kind of beating a dead horse with Kimberly's, you know, multiple personalities. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't make it interesting, and they they introduced that third personality, Rita, the really bad girl, and we never saw her again. So what's the what's the point of that? Yeah, like um, why why not? Like like Betsy was driving that train. Like they're trying to hit every possible way Kimberly can be crazy, but it's like I don't need you to read the DSM five and find every example of actual you know lunacy. I just want a fun storyline. Right. And we've moved definitely past that. Yeah. Also, we've moved definitely past the days of her wearing the wig. And that those are the days I want back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 
me too. Me too. Okay. So, I mean, I guess the only thing that we have left to talk about with, with Amanda Peter is that Amanda finally meets Taylor. Right? Is there anything? Um, well, there's that scene where uh, Amanda, who's like basically camping out at Michael and Kimberly's beach house while they wait for Kimberly to remember right. something that'll exonerate Peter. Um, like there's a conversation where Amanda is asking Peter about Beth and he reassures her and says she taught him how to love again, that he was a different man. And it's like, all right, fine. This is hokey. And this show is not better than that, but different than that. Um, and and then Peter gets into a fight with that officer while he's on the phone in the right. jail. So that's like the very end. Right. Um, but but uh, but separately, um, yes, Taylor comes to see the apartment that Matt is showing her. And that's the first face-to-face -face meeting of Taylor and Amanda. So it's pretty much Amanda has bad vibes about Taylor right off the bat. Yeah, Amanda is very, very cold, very cold. And she's pissed at Matt for renting the apartment sort of straight away to Taylor because she's like, we have ways that we do this. Yeah, but they don't. But they don't. They don't. And Matt certainly didn't. And Matt's strung out as all hell. He's all sweaty. He spent, <laughs> poor Matt spent the entire episode sweaty. Yeah, well, I want to talk about Matt in a sec because I have a couple things I want to say there. Um, but yeah, there is... So Taylor and Amanda meet um, because she has instantly, like, signed the lease, just is about to put the deposit down on this apartment. Off screen, I guess she has told Kyle that she is moving to L.A. and that he is coming with her because he eventually shows up and he's not too annoyed by the whole thing, which is, you know, weird. But Yeah, weird. Like, she, yeah, she's basically like, we're going to we should move to LA and open a restaurant. And by the way, like, that's why I'm here. I'm scouting locations. And he's just kind of like, are you sure that's a good idea? Oh, okay. Yeah. They have dinner at, an, at a restaurant and she's like, Oh, I've been doing some research. Um, and this restaurant is for sale. We're going to buy it and start a partnership. And you're going to have a franchise called Kyle's. And he's like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, his big argument is, wouldn't this be better if we did this in Manhattan? And then she's yeah. like, no. And then he's like, okay. Yeah, that's really all the writers give us. And yeah. so you just have to go with it. And then there is another scene back in Melrose Place. And this also ties into the Peter thing. And Taylor talks her way into Amanda's apartment as she's about, as Amanda's on her way out. Um, and... What did Taylor leave? Her purse? Her pocketbook? She said she left apartment? her purse in the apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she did so leave Taylor, it on purpose. Of course. So with Amanda downstairs, Taylor comes back into the apartment uh, and starts snooping around. And while she's there is when there's a phone call with a voicemail about Peter having been attacked, by which time Amanda comes back to the apartment because some combination of she heard the phone ring and also Taylor was taking her sweet time getting her pocketbook back from the apartment. And that's when... Taylor hears the Amanda hears the message, and uh, Taylor is, is like, "Oh, I was up here and I heard the phone ring, so I thought I'd listen to the voicemail." And Amanda is already losing patience with Taylor. Her radar is up, and you know she's not wrong. No, she's not wrong. And well, and I mean the whole thing about Taylor in the apartment was kind of ridiculous because the only thing she did was stare at a picture of Peter on the mantle. Yeah, yeah. She just looked at. It's clear she has a connection to Peter. It is obscure what that connection is right now. Uh, right, Taylor, and it, but Taylor is not going to be good news for Amanda. Oh dear. Oh dear. 
In fact, I venture to say that uh, Taylor and Amanda is the show's new big rivalry to come. Well, I think that we could use that because I mean, who who's been who's been the rivalry? Allison was, and then that kind of went kaput, and then that was it, right? For, we have, for we've had, Amanda's we've had many we've had many rivalries, but not that many. Right, like, and not that nothing that's been you know it was Jane versus Sydney, right? Um, and and you know Amanda has individual problems with Joe. Um, and with Allison, but, uh, but like, they don't last very, I mean, the Amanda and Allison was a long-term thing, but then it finally ended. You know, Brooke was a nemesis, and then Brooke went away. Uh, Joe went off to the side. Joe and Jane had a fight, and then went their separate way. Like, there hasn't been a rivalry. Yeah, like, the best there rivalry that there was was Sid and, and, and Jane, I think, and I that think was so. eons ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Um, so I'm I'm kind of looking forward to a new rivalry. Hopefully it's a hopefully yeah. It's I think different. you're going to enjoy it, and I think I'm going to enjoy rewatching the way it, it plays out. And of course, we're watching it now with different eyes because I have come to respect La Rena so much in a different vein uh, from all of her real life personality stuff, but also as a, a Beverly Hills housewife. Yeah. Melissa um, so will come on the show at some point too because we have a lot of thoughts about her. Okay. I love I love having also, Lisa Rinna, I'm going to keep making this appeal. I would love for you to join us on the podcast. If anyone knows how that can be a reality, um, you know, DM us or whatever. Yeah, I would die. You wouldn't I would, die. You'd I would there. die. I would totally die. All right, I'm going to have to keep upping my Twitter game to see how you can do this. Yeah. Okay, so. So, okay, there's really nothing left for Amanda and Peter. Um, there's nothing left. Michael is just hanging out with Kimberly in the beach house. But I did want to say that I have two favorite moments in this episode. And one of them is Amanda first comes over to the beach house to try and get Kimberly to, you know, jog her mind. And Michael says, Kimberly's sleeping. She's in the bedroom. And Amanda storms into the bedroom and goes, get up, you crazy bitch. I like that a lot. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice moment. <laughs> that was good. Um, and then let's move over to Matt. Well, can we just backtrack though really quickly with oh, with uh, with um, with Kimberly? She disappeared from the hospital. Oh, that last yes. like last At episode, right? Which yeah. that was kind of like a cliffy where like they go into her hospital room and she's gone, and so apparently she's disappeared. But it's like they find her right away. So she's just kind of walking down a random LA street, and it's dark and windy and scary night and michael finds her like yeah, like that that's literally she's walking down an abandoned street and michael is in his car and he knew where she was and, and yeah. he finds her that, and he like chases was, her down was, and, take, and so again it was something else where okay she ran away because she doesn't remember now this is she doesn't remember the night in question with peter it's it's you know she's had this memory like i don't know if it's like amnesia but it's some sort of memory lapse and that caused her to run because she can't be of any use for him. I just kind of felt like all of that was sort of ridiculous, and they could have done that without making her disappear. Yeah, I mean, I get it. The making her disappear, all right, fine, that's a cliffy for the end of an episode, but couldn't you put a little bit more work or suspense into the resolution before just giving it to us, I think, in the cold open? 
Yeah, they basically did. It was it was like resolved drag it out very, very quickly. For, drag it out for the rest of this episode with a little bit of where is she? Give Michael a flashback memory, and he goes, I know where to find her, and she's walking by the side of a road, fabricate some memory that meant something to them, and then he can bring Kimberly home, where she can have her amnesia for hopefully, like, just one more episode, and then you move on again. Yeah, and then we can move on with it. So anyway, that was a little bit crazy-making, too, in this in this, uh, in this this episode today for me. Yeah. No, I get it. But how do you feel about the Matt storyline? I don't know. Like, on the one hand, it's nice for Matt to have a storyline. On the yeah. other hand, it yeah, is that's once... What we are with him. Like, it's, it's like Matt by himself now. So instead of a storyline with Matt with, like, a random guy who's going to break his heart, right? Because that's all that Matt... Like, that's all they give storylines to Matt for is so that he can have his heart broken. Now it's, like, Matt in a relationship with prescription drugs. Yeah. Like, he's just by himself. There's, there's nobody, there's no other Melrose Place person, like, you know, no Melrose regular to play off of. There's no, it, it's like. It, yeah, it's, he's, he's it, siloed it's, once again. Yeah, he's like, he's separated from them again. Like, he's never integrated into the storyline at all. And I mean, the most integration that they seem to do this episode was, well, I mean, you know, he's renting the apartment for Amanda. When did he start working at Shooters again? Has he always worked yeah, there? Yeah, like, I, I feel like they had made mention that he had to cut back or not be at Shooters some point last season. And I'm not sure even if Allison was a direct replacement for him. Um, but yeah, he, him being at Shooters is a change of some sort. It's a return. But he had gone away and they don't mention that at all. But, you know, for his actual storyline, he is once again, like, you know, all by himself. And and that's kind of a little bit crazy making because I want to see him, like, interact more. I agree. So, I mean, I I, that's, and he should he should be integrated all the time. Right. That, that's what this story has always excelled at was the way all of their storylines ultimately intertwine, which is something not every show can do. This show can do that, but never with Matt's stories. And so, and I don't know. So, okay, so Matt is taking speed. some sort of math, you know, speed prescription to stay awake, right? And so they, they, it's like they, they accelerated him from, like, zero to 80, you know? Like, there's been no gradual progression of this. It was like he had one no, pill. He became a, a supreme addict overnight. And now he's like a fiend, you know, he had that one pill to get through studying and now he's like a sweaty fiend. Like he literally spent the entire episode moist. Yeah. Yeah. And it went and, some and, extra circles under his eyes and talking really fast and like, you know, and nobody's sort of looking at him and saying, something's wrong with you, Matt. Like what's going on? Like there is nobody who's, I mean, you just look at him and he's not, he's not the Matt that you know and love. He's not laid back, Matt. Like he's Matt, like on 20,000 cups of coffee and, you know, there, and nobody's noticed this. Right. Right. I mean, I guess not. No, it's, it's ridiculous because no one ever pays attention to Matt. So, right. So, but this does introduce like the new attending Doctor, who is now Matt's boss, like the, um, what's the word that I want? The, the teaching physician he's now, okay. like, reporting under. 
Um, and her, she will be on the show, I think, through the season. Oh, okay. Um, I thought she was another one of those, you know, like the rando doctors that they throw in and then get rid of. No, she become. I mean, it's a recurring role. It doesn't become anything bigger than that. But I believe she stays on and is also connected to Michael and Peter down the line, too. And her name, the actress, is Day Young, D-E-Y. Um, her sister is Lee Taylor Young, who was a big deal actress, starting in Peyton Place, was married to Ryan O'Neill, uh, won an Emmy for Picket Fences. But more significantly, this actress is in the movie Pretty Woman. Do you remember the famous scene when she was after her shopping? Yeah, yeah, the store. She was the one the that store. when when, when uh, uh, Vivian and Julia Roberts goes big mistake, huge. That woman is the sales attendant to whom she sang that. Oh my! Of course she was. I was wondering why she looked kind of familiar, but not really familiar. Yeah, yeah, familiar-ish at best. Yeah, yeah that's her. And uh, yeah, she's the one who goes, "Please leave." Back in Pretty Woman, so she's still playing the kind of irksome baddies. Um, and the thing is, like, she is being nasty to Matt. But Matt is also now completely terrible and unaccountable. And he's failing his exams. He cannot focus on anything. At one point, then he drops his pill under the locker and becomes frantic. Um, so I guess there's also um, some paranoia there because he unloads on her at the end when she says he failed his exam. And he says he's going to threaten to sue her for her yeah. homophobia the way he did with Dr. Calvin Hobbes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess Matt, I guess they're going to bring this storyline to a head pretty quickly, too. Yeah, I think very quickly. Because that seems to be, like, where we're heading. Because they just, like, put, the, they just stepped on the gas with Matt's story. And they were just like, go, 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 go. Because he is, he is gone. Yeah. So I'm and kind of curious if, like, you know, about... next week we end what? up in rehab with Matt. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I think it does get resolved pretty quick. Um. I, I, I don't know. I prefer most of the time. I'd rather have you sit on the bench for a couple episodes than have, like, a real quickie storyline introduced in one season finale and then come to a head, like, two to three episodes in. I'd rather you just wait and then have, like, a long-term storyline arc that lasts eight to ten weeks and we just sit and wait for it and it's a little bit better. Or yeah. at least just played out more gradually than this because now it's just another stupid after school special like uh like like Alyssa said a couple weeks ago back on the podcast well here, yeah here's here's the thing are we gonna get another season like we did last season where they just pack so many different storylines in with all like you know every character had like 16 different storylines is that going to be another one of these seasons because that was exhausting well you say that and I think we probably do get that again this season but that was also fairly true of seasons two and three. It's just the storylines were better and they were a, they intersected a bit more, I, I think, think, than they did season four. I think that Just was, think about, like, like, the Sid and the Colt thing, like, that was jammed in. It was just fun. Like, the Sid being kidnapped thing, that was jammed in. The Sid being framed thing, that was fun. Like, the Joe with the... the, the um, custody suit, and then Joe with the baby... And then Joe with Jess. Like, there was a lot of stuff that was jammed in within one season, I think, even before. It was just far more enjoyable. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe it didn't feel that way because things were integrated so well 
that almost yeah, like this one storyline flowed into the other, so it didn't feel so disjointed. Yeah, I think I think they do a better job this season. I do think it will still feel a bit disjointed, and I think part of that is now inevitable because we have some new faces again too. Right, 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 right. All um, right. There is, a, there is another Matt scene that I'm going to hold on to because it will come up when we're talking about another storyline that we're saving for the end. Okay. But now we can also talk about Jake and Allison and Billy pretty quick. Okay, good. Um, just really, really quickly, though, I did want to mention. Oh, um, sorry. Taylor's apartment, which used to be Joe's apartment. I don't remember it being that big. Well, I had a question about that. Is that is that the apartment when Kyle, like, sneaks in and surprises her? Or is that the actual apartment that when uh, uh, Taylor and Kyle are walking around and he's like, we're going to have to christen this or something like that? Yeah, that's the, that's, that's that's Joe's the, old apartment. I think it is a new apartment because I feel like it was shot from an angle we've never before seen for, for Joe. I could be wrong. I just, and it could just be because all of her props and her furniture are gone. So it looks different. But I feel like they're showing us a different interior. Yeah, because, like, I didn't recognize, yeah. like, did Joe have a fireplace? I don't remember her having a fireplace. And the kitchen she, was enormous. My, and I don't I, remember. But I feel like the way they're walking from, from the entrance past the kitchen to where the bedroom is, it does look a lot bigger. It also just looks like it's being shot from a totally different angle. So yeah. I do think they're showing us a different apartment. And I mean, the only the only nod that we have that this was Joe's apartment is that the bathroom is still black oh, from the true. dark room. True. The walls are the walls are black. But that was it. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Just wanted to say that. Okay. So Jake and Allison. Jake. Um, I mean. Okay, so it starts with Allison calls Jake from one apartment to another. Um, and bless you. Thank you. Um, and and Allison, I keep forgetting who lives where. She's upstairs now, and so she's on her way down to sneak into Jake's apartment. Or actually, I lied. He's on his way up to sneak into her apartment. Um, and that's when he bumps into Matt showing Taylor uh, the Joe's old apartment again opportunity for Jake to say something about Joe and he doesn't. Not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it could have been nice. Um, <laughs> and that, of course, is when Amanda meets Taylor for the first time. Um, and Amanda says this thing about, uh, I have one rule. All of our tenants mind their own business. And it's like, um, that's not a rule that anyone has ever observed, but okay. That's never um, been a rule, but okay. <laughs> and Allison has seen all of this, so she gets dressed and comes down. And says she's going with Jake because he's her ride to work, which isn't shooters like seven feet away. Um, but this is like more of them sneaking around in plain sight. She books a hotel room for them, so they spend the night there at one point, and then she decides she's going to move out of Melrose Place, get an apartment a couple blocks away, and then it will be easier for her and Jake to sneak around. Probably only temporary, she says, until everyone finds out. Because seriously, she's paying rent now on a shooter's waitress salary, but okay. Um, and there is a nice moment in that 
while she's packing, Billy comes to visit and says, I can't believe this, you are Melrose Place, which I liked, I'm biased, but I liked because Allison was the original part of Melrose Place before it changed its whole way of being. Um, and then Jake comes by to help her pack with some more boxes, and Billy hasn't caught on, yet he does make a comment that, like, he always feels that he's on the outside. Um, the two of them are always, like, having some sort of secret conversation without him, something like that. So, <laughs> Billy, you're not wrong. Mercifully, there is also very little of Billy in this episode. Yes. Um, yeah. And I'm hoping and that's, that that's that pretty stays much for the... <laughs> for the duration of the season. I do feel like in general there's less ability. Yeah. Yay. But again, like here's another storyline that I just feel like, you know, it's about like Allison and Jake sneaking around and we don't want to tell Billy. Well, why not? I know. Why don't we want to tell Billy? Billy? Like if he's gonna explode, he's gonna explode and then you're all gonna move on anyway. Right, and, like, he's even, like, he even says that he's, like, embarrassed that he asked her to marry. She, like, makes reference to it being a stupid proposal. He does talk, yeah, he does talk about how it was a terrible proposal. Yeah, and so he, he even admits that it was stupid. So, again, it was just kind of this, I mean, I guess we're going to, also, can we just say, insta-love. Everybody falls in love so quickly. Like, now all of a sudden, yeah. like, Allison's, like, looking at Jake, and she's like, you're the one. And he's like, you too. And I'm like, but, like, two episodes ago, you were like, Jane, I love you. Yeah, they, they don't make any mention of Jane right now. No, none whatsoever. They're, they're really only worried about Billy is the thing. Right. Which is, like, weird, because Jane is going through her own pile of crap. Yeah. Um, and as we move on to Jane, I will say, like, Jane is really the one to worry about. Remember I said that as we move forward. Oh. Okay. But, but here we are with Jane. So, okay. Remember how we left off last week and Jane is now convinced that Richard is alive because there was that mound of dirt and the cross and everything in, the, in her bed? Yes. Well, we don't pick up until the morning after. And Sam goes upstairs and finally complains to Sydney about how Jane was screaming in the middle of the night and how she's currently changing the locks. And she was Why running the vacuum Jane... for four hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why didn't Jane immediately leave the apartment? Why didn't Jane immediately go up to Sid's apartment at midnight or 11 o'clock or whatever it was? Could you imagine something like that happens and you think, okay, now I have confirmation. Someone has been targeting me and I think it's Richard. Like, and you're just going to stay in that apartment? I mean, I guess. You know, like, do you, you actually, like, think you're going to, like, get some sleep even? Like, I don't know. But, I don't know. So, I guess it made sense to Jane at the time. I I guess. I mean, what were they going to do? Film everything at night? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, so Jane and Sid decide to go back to the burial site uh, to dig him up. And it has already been dug up with a note waiting for them. It's a fake ransom note. Um, again... We know it's fake, because we know Richard is alive. It would have been played out better if we didn't know Richard was alive. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's a new note. Um, oh, and then the next morning, there's more information in a new note tucked into Sid's paper outside her apartment door. Um, so there's, he's demanding money, and um, so Sid is going to go to a drop-off point. 
Um, and I think before that is the scene I was talking about where Sid is printing funny money. Does that sound right? Yes. Oh, okay. yes. This, this is, is the best scene of yes, the episode. This, yes, I agree. This was the scene for the whole episode. This was the scene. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so Sid goes to the, uh, the, what's it called, the Wilshire Memorial, whatever the name of the office is, of um, the Burns Mancini uh, office. And she's like printing out fake money to use for to pay up the ransom. At the same time, Matt has broken into Michael's office uh, to get his prescription pad because he's lost the rest of his fix. And um, the two of them bump into each other. So Matt drops the RX pad and Sid basically flings like hundreds and hundreds of pages of, of like the fakest Monopoly money I've ever seen. Um, and the two of them are both like trying to do their own little con and they're so busy trying to like reclaim what they've dropped that they're not even paying attention to what the other has. It's great. It's also great on another level because we get real life couples, Oak Savant and Laura Layton in a scene together that didn't have to happen but does. And it's like the only scene that like really hits, hits like their perfect sense of humor right in the center. It's great. And both of them play it so great. Like the urgency and the paranoia. It's awesome. And it's done too soon. It was over too soon. Now, were they an actual couple at that point? Like they had gotten together at I that think, point? They were I together? Think, I think at this point they're already a couple. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Because, yeah, that was a super, super, super fun scene. And it was sort of like everything that you love about or that I love about Sid was sort of it's, like yeah. happening in that scene. And we were howling. It was fantastic. And, you know, and her, you know, her funny money and I'm creating a game and, you know, it was, it was just, it was absolutely perfect. And Matt being all like awkward and shit, like it was, it was just great. It was so good. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was great. More of uh, that, please, Melrose Place. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I hear you. And that's what I want too. That's exactly what I want. <sighs> They're not going to get um, it to us though. Uh, fits and starts, I think is all we got. Yeah. But yeah. but then we go back to the, the Richard nonsense. Um, they go to the drop-up point. Of course, Jane has her gun, and they see the person come and take the money, and they start chasing after them. Um, and it's not Richard. It's not even a man. It's roommate Sam. Right. With some odd story about how someone called her and said that at the boutique, and this was something that she had to do to come and pick up the money, like... It's so dumb. But I have to say, go ahead. Well, yeah, it was stupid because I was kind of like, well, what, what are they doing this for? You know, like, I guess Richard was smart enough to know that they would try something out. So he had like, you know, somebody sort of set them up. He, he hooked her in to like set them up beforehand to like get them off guard or something. Like, I don't know. It was just really weird. Yeah. And again, right after they all leave this, downtown alley wherever they are the camera pans up and we see that richard is standing on some fire escape um again him looming in all these scenes doesn't mean anything we know he's alive we know they don't really know like the the suspense is shot because of all of this but i will say ever since sam came on the end of season four i always thought oh she must be tied to the richard thing the richard conspiracy and this is the first time where i'm like oh i guess she is probably not. 
Right. So again, we're at we've got another character where I'm kind of like, okay, why are you here? Well, they will use her significantly throughout the season, um, but I hate her. Again, she is my least favorite character of the entire series. Now, can you can you say why? Is it because she just seems so? Yeah, I, because they make her act like an idiot, and also because they do create a new like B level B plot rivalry between her and Sid and I'm not here for it. And as a fan of Sid yourself, you shouldn't be either. And is it is it they're trying to like make her like the replacement sister? Or is it a different rivalry? Um it's sort um it's like a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. Um they 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 tussle like sisters, but there's no warmth. Like there would also be like we've seen a lot of warmth between Jane and Sid over the last like season and a half, um, despite all of the stuff they've done to each other. But this time, especially Sid to Jane, um, but there isn't any of that warm side with Sam and Sid. Sam is just oh, like no, an idiot. I, I was no no no. I was I think like what I meant was is it jealousy because because Sid made reference to it in this episode about Sam, this like, oh, that's the replacement sister. That's the yeah, sister, um, but you were stuck with me. Or, it, isn't necess- it, isn't, it isn't just that um, Sam is, like, a replacement sibling, but it's, like, Sam ends up continuing to do things that really fuck up Sid's life. Ah, okay. On purpose or by accident? Usually, usually unintentionally. See, that's kind of no fun. It is I, no fun. For, like, you know, a show that's supposed to be, like, drama. Like, you create drama, but it's, like, oops, by accident. Um, yeah, but there's other drama going on for each of them, so... so it's not like they're the only foil for each other. Right. Anyway. Um, so then I think we're in the boutique again. And that's when... <laughs> Uh, there's a new delivery at the boutique, and it's like, gee, no one ordered this whole big thing that's coming in like a like a big pine box. What could it be? And it's a mannequin in Richard's clothes, Richard's bloody clothes, that falls down the second they open the little tube. I mean, this whole thing is so complicated for a dead man to pull off. Yeah, yeah, that is that is a thing. They have now. Even though Richard is alive, they have now reduced him to just being out to torment Jane. Which, I mean, that's what you want to dedicate your life to? Okay. Like, it is truly extraordinary that he is supposed to be dead. But yet, like, this is what he's devoted his life to. And I also thought it was really interesting that, like, Richard was has basically been silent the whole episode. Yeah, we see him. We don't hear him. We don't hear him. So, okay, uh, and there's another ransom note that, that comes with that. Right. Um, for 50000 Yeah, another, yeah, he, want, they, he wants that $50,000. Um, and Sid's like, well, I can put together about 20000 and this is actually funny. She does like, mention that she got money from the porn from yeah, that season. Jane's like, where did you get $20,000? And she's like, I've been squirreling away my 20% from Burns Mancini. And oh yeah, I invested in a porn movie. <laughs> yeah. And Jane's like, what? And then they move on. 
Yeah, it's, it's and like, she's like, yeah, 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 but it was lucrative, you know? Yeah. Um, and then they say for the rest of the money, uh, Jane will have to put her store, which is called Jane's. We have Kyle's and we have Jane's. It's real smart. Um, uh, we'll put her store up for collateral. The store, it should be noted, that was bought with Richard's money, which Jane embezzled from the company. With Jane's, yeah, exactly. Very, very key. Mm -hmm. um, and then there, I guess there's another scene in Jane's apartment, right? Because she's baking French toast for Sam, because she's got a, Sam now knows that, you know, Jane really has some crazy shit going on, and she's toting a gun. Um, at which point, uh, Jane also compliments Sam being a very good sketch artist. Um, and I think that's when Sid comes down again and they're like, they need to wait this person out. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a line about lunatics always making the best leaders, which I don't know, hit rather close to home as I watch. <laughs> don't know why. Um, and then... I, we have our, our, our final scene, which we're once more at the Richard burial site. Yes, because they, and they go and they've got the, the $50,000 in this. I have to say, if I was paying a ransom, that that's a great bag. Yeah, the bag that they have it in, that was like a really nice leather bag. And right. I kept what, and I'm going, I wouldn't give that up for ransom. I'd like bring the ransom in like, you know, like a plastic grocery bag. bag. Yeah. You know, not not like this really nice, beautiful, like, leather messenger backpacky thing. But anyway, I digress. So that's when we have the big reveal where Richard shows up and he wants the money. And, um, you know, and Jane's like, oh, my God, I knew you were still alive, you know, and Sid's just like, what the fuck? And Richard's got the gun this time, and he's he's got the upper hand. He's uh, got a gun and two shovels. Yeah, a gun and two shovels, and he calls Jane now for embezzling his money. Yes. Which, um, however, if we remember, I don't know why he's asking for $50,000 because, you know, and he, he sort of mentions that, yeah, the 50 grand, the money you embezzled from me, when we know she paid 200000 for the store. For the store. But maybe he just... I don't know. Maybe some of it was matched from Michael. I don't know. I don't I know. really don't know. Yeah, but it's only 50000 So he knows about the embezzlement. And um, and basically, like, he's like, yeah, so, like, start digging and dig deeper because you both got to fit in this thing. Yeah, he has them at gunpoint literally digging their own graves. They're digging their own graves. And I think this is where we ended it, right? This was how... Yeah, it doesn't get more in peril than that. No, it doesn't. So, I mean, next time, like, how who's going to save their bacon out there in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, you got to tune in. I, mean, I won't say anything more about what happens. I will keep you in as much suspense as I can. Okay, good, because I'm suspended. Yeah, I mean, it's a dumb storyline, but when it comes to this, it's kind of fun. Yeah, no, I'm. I don't really care that it's a dumb storyline because we get we get so much said, and I mean, this is like the most we've had of her since she, you know, since she, since she poisoned Jane, and Jane had that stroke. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we haven't had much of her. So this is kind of like, this is this is refreshing. Yeah, it is. It, and, and she's really playing a grown-up sit now. Yes, yes, she is. Um, and it's actually nice to see the two of them, I mean, get along, I guess. I think so, too. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I really, they're not yeah. really getting along, but they're kind of getting along, and that's really well, nice to Sid see. Sid isn't being a troublemaker, so there's that. Right. It's been so it's nice to see that too. So and yeah, I think that's it. That's the episode, right? Yeah. That All was right. it. Um let us know what you think about, you know, catatonic Kimberly and you know Peter's new past and Taylor's new apartment and Allison's really new apartment um, and the big addiction storyline and most especially this whole Jane Sid Richard debacle. But I think we can all agree and you guys, you know, please tell us if, if you disagree. I think we can all agree this is a much stronger season than season four. Yeah, I mean, I think season four was great in that it started literally with a bang. Um and then just immediately started falling further and further away from itself. Yeah. You can see that they really tried to at least patch things up and push them in a new direction here. And I, I appreciate it. I mean, I guess I should, maybe I'm speaking too soon because, you know, it's still, it's got nowhere to go but down, I guess. Uh, oh, I don't know. It went down so <laughs> Or maybe it had nowhere to go but up. It has nowhere to go but up. Low. <laughs> The bar is kind of low. But can it can it keep climbing? We'll see. We'll see. Okay, so we're going to head on over to Hollywood Boulevard. Um, we have Emmy nominations today that we're going to talk about um, and a couple of uh, TV stuff, movies. So, yeah, like, we're going to go over there now. You should yeah, come with us. We hope you will follow. But in the meantime, we wish you health and wealth and a happy end of July. Yeah, happy end of July. We'll see you guys on the boulevard. See you guys there. Bye.